People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk Radio. Joining me as I uh, bring on two great guests today. Might be your first time uh, listening, or it might be your first podcast. So let me give you a little rundown on kind of how the show works. Um, we bring on some inspiring leaders that you know, I may have met at events or groups or have spoken to, or just you know maybe kind of heard about them and some of the cool things that they're doing from other people. So. This show is really designed to give you an opportunity to listen in on some of the topics that the two of us might find interesting, we might talk about, and hopefully, as you can kind of be a fly on the wall, you might learn something that you can use uh, yourself down the road in your own career. Talent Talk is live uh, here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, uh, and we love to have people tuning in live. Uh, that way you can uh, also uh, send in any questions you might have. Uh, via Twitter, and you can do that by using the hashtag Talent Talk. If you can squeeze in at people G2, that would be great as well. Um, but, you know, most of you actually tune in uh, on through the podcast app on iTunes or on any of the apps or directly on the website through iHeartRadio on any device. And that's where we've had over 300,000 of you come in just last week even to listen uh, to at least one or more podcasts. So a big thank you to everyone, no matter how you're getting here. Uh, really appreciate your support. Uh, listening to the show, uh, supporting our guests, um, and, uh, you know, tweeting us out anything that uh, you find interesting. So, but let's go ahead and talk about, uh, you know, the, uh, the show for today. Uh, my guest uh, today will include Emily Morgan. She's the founder and uh, vice president of uh, Delegate Solutions. And then we'll have our a return guest, our friend uh, Matt Manners, uh, be uh, calling in from London um, and he is the founder of the Employee Engagement Awards, which uh, I was a part of last year, and it looks like I'll be a part of again this year. So Matt will join me at the second half of the show. We'll talk a little bit more about what he's doing, but let's go ahead and get to our first guest, uh, Emily Morgan. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to so, be here. Well, that's a, we're really uh, happy to have you here, and maybe you can kind of give everyone listening a little rundown on who you are and, and what your company does. Uh, I'm the president and founder of Delegate Solutions, and we've been in business nine years, and we are a strategic support firm. So we work with um, small and medium-sized companies to help them basically strategically leverage their time. And what that means is sometimes, you know, most entrepreneurs and small business owners are quite busy and overwhelmed with tasks, and it distracts them from the key things that they need to accomplish each day. So we come in and we look for ways to strategically leverage their time so that they're freed up to work on the bigger picture uh, activities. We typically work with clients one to two hours a day. We work on very customized strategic activities 
that change over time as their business evolves. But we work remotely, so there's no need to have overhead or have us on site or manage our team. We manage everybody that's on our team. So maybe you can give us some examples of what are some of the more, more obvious things that you might look to, to help people with in those types of situations. Sure. So some of the, the big things that typically come off first, uh, big ones always scheduling, so all the back and forth involved with scheduling meetings and <laughs> setting meeting confirmations and making sure people are prepared going into meetings. Uh, we also do a lot of research, travel planning, expense reports, some of the more interesting projects we work on as we help businesses streamline and automate some of their internal processes using different technology. Um, we also help manage inboxes. So a lot of times people want to delegate uh, their inbox so that they don't have to be a slave to checking it all day long and keeping on top of it. So we have varying levels of support around email management also. So how does this offloading then really end up helping these leaders that you're working with to become more effective in their roles? Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to leverage. Uh, so, you know, as the business owner or as the executive, your time is best spent on large picture initiatives, but unfortunately there's so much day-to-day -day operational stuff that needs to happen to keep the business running that winds up staying on your plate. You don't have anyone to delegate to. You don't have anyone that you can trust, but you need a resource to free up your time. And where we come in is just really to identify the best use of our time to support you. Right. And, and that seems like it's important. You know, we all have things that we could take off our plate or that we would like somebody else to do. You know, one of the big kind of concerns is, you know, do I really want to hire somebody and bring them on and at times? So it sounds like your service can kind of meet that need where there may be things that you do for a while or for a period of time that can help that owner, but, you know, maybe kind of remove that pressure of, you know, bringing somebody in that you have to, to lay off, you know, in a few months later. Totally, yeah. So we work in a contract arrangement, so clients will contract with us. We have uh, essentially a three-month commitment on the retainer side and then a 30-day cancel. So it's very strategic in that sense also and in keeping your head counts down and keeping benefits and all the other costs in check. It's a great option. And you mentioned earlier that uh, your, your workforce is, is remote, so we we share that as ours is a, a remote yeah. uh, workforce as well. And um, it looks like you and I are probably do similar speaking on, you know, the, the virtual businesses and, and remote workforces. So there's challenges and there's rewards that come from using this type of a business model. Maybe what are some of the key points that you make to business leaders that you know, they might they might be considering moving a division or a department or maybe the whole company to a virtual model? Sure, yeah. I think I've never gone through the process of going from an on-site company to being a virtual company. So I think there's different dynamics in that scenario, so I can't speak to that. But my company's always been remote, and I think some of the success criteria really are creating accountability, so making sure that your team knows what's expected of them and how to reach out to you and how you're going to sort of monitor the work that's being performed, what are the milestones that they have to, to hit. So making sure that there's accountability happening and also really clear places for communication. So different technologies that allow us to stay in touch with our team. We use Slack, which is a group messaging app. 
We also use Zoom, which is a video conferencing tool, so we have video calls pretty frequently uh, with the team and Slack chats throughout the day. Yeah, and uh, those are some really important tools. We use HipChat, but very similar to, to Slack, and, of course, we use Skype. So it sounds like some, some pretty similar ones. Um, and, you know, I, I've noticed a lot of companies that are virtual kind of started that way. Maybe that's just out of, out of necessity for a lot of companies, and then as that model works, they kind of grow and continue to use it. We were yeah. one of the few that ever went from brick and mortar to actually virtual. Um, and that has its own kind of crazy challenges, but we'll save that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, one of the th big things that I heard that I really resonated with in what you said, you know, kind of the communication, that, that the accountability, but I, I always phrase, frame it as measurement. So if mm. you're going to have people working remotely, you have to figure out how you're going to measure them um, and what they're doing. And that's usually a pretty big benefit to working virtual because you don't always go through the trouble of trying to measure and really coming up with those things if somebody's in the office. I think because we make that mistake that we can see that they're busy or we can yep. somehow you know, notice that, which is really kind of crazy. But it, it, was that sort of what you were getting at? Was that measurable uh, kind of performance attribute? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's very easy to feel disconnected if you're not, if the communication isn't, up to par and if the team doesn't know what's expected of them. So we've recently rolled out video trainings uh, with testing modules. Um, we use a time tracking system, so our, you know we sell time basically, so they track time in this tool. So you know they know that we're looking and monitoring the progress within that system. But really it's about creating metrics for their success so that they know what they're working towards and how they're being monitored and measured. And there's a great method out there called ROW, Results Only Work Environment, which we're kind of looking into as an upgrade to the way that we're managing our team. But it really focuses on that it's not so much about sitting at a desk from 9 to 5, which is not our model, but more about... Um, what are the results that you're generating and what are the key milestones that you're trying to achieve within the scope of your work that, that you're measured by. Right. And that kind of gets into, um, you know, if you're looking at results that allows you to, to consider other things like flex work. I know that's mm -hmm. something that you also talk about. Um, you know, we're definitely in a time when where that trade-off of a strong work-life balance is sometimes more appealing than moving up the career ladder or giving someone more money. What, what sort of employees do you find are the ones that are really looking for that greater balance, that kind of flex work culture that you guys try to offer as well? Yeah, I mean, that's our whole staff. That's who we target for our staff. Um, everything that we're creating on the team side is meant to speak to that audience of people. <laughs> so, right. you know, as we're looking at... We don't have FTEs. We have part-time employees, so it's a little different. I don't have anyone on salary at the moment other than myself. But we're looking at what are some of the benefits that would be interesting to a team such as ours that's comprised of typically professional women that have families that they're trying to be more available to. So we're looking at things like creating um, PTO based on time on the job. We're looking at things like creating a rewards program that isn't just like a cash bonus, but that it's instead like a gift certificate somewhere so that they're not, they're feeling valued themselves um, as opposed to just kind of 
getting a bonus for doing a good job, that they're able to turn that into something that helps them personally. Right, right. Yeah, and that's it's really important. I mean, you can get some really great people if you're if you, if you can kind of get your I guess your company structure and your project structure to really work that way to say, hey, I, you know, I only need this person for this many hours. I can find a great person who only wants to work four hours a day or five hours a day or three days a week or whatever it may be because their life doesn't really allow them to, to do a full-time job. Exactly. Um, and, you know, what yeah. we've built is is designed to be appealing to that audience. And what that's done is given us access to a national talent pool um, a very advanced level talent pool. So the people on my team, a lot of them have master's degrees. Um, a lot of them have had very great corporate careers that they're literally walking away from because they don't, they have no balance in their life, and they view this as a way to create that. Right. Want to kind of maybe dive into? So it sounds like you got these really great people that are going to have a different approach to to work. And so that kind of gets into then having this really great amount of quality, this kind of workplace quality idea. And that's something that people are looking for when it comes to seeking out an employee. And conversely, many companies are looking, you know, for employees that can work in an environment that is more autonomous and time-friendly and compared to that kind of traditional model, like you said, 9 to 5 or sitting at a desk all day. When leaders really delegate and are free up their hours and tasks, they don't you know, kind of silly things they don't need to be doing. Do you feel like it opens up the door for them to be able to be more strategic and progressive in their thinking, and it might move them to kind of reconsider how they handle you know their employees and their business? That's interesting. Um, I mean, the whole point of our service is to do exactly what you described, which is help them refocus their energy and time on the most strategic activities within the business, um, and we do that through delegation and just overall process improvements. And I think a lot of them either have already remote teams or they have teams on site. There's one client we worked with that um, they had an on-site team, but they wanted to leverage the team's time. So they hired us, we came in, and we looked at their workflows, and we found 30% of their workflow that could be delegated to a remote support team such as ours. So that was able to leverage their on-site team staff, keep them from having to onboard two new FTEs, house them, train them, manage them, all the things that come with it. So that's a different way to look at it um, as well. Well, it sounds like you, you've tapped into a great you know, business model. I mean, I've seen ones where you're just it's someone being an executive assistant for you, but it sounds like you're kind of going in deeper. You're looking at where those efficiencies can be found and then providing services across the gamut there, you know, and bringing in your own people that can help them do that. Um, and that's probably comes from your own strong entrepreneurial approach. Mm-hmm. I know your colleagues have kind of labeled you as a strong entrepreneur and someone with a strong strategic mind. So what is it you think that kind of drives your own entrepreneurial spirit? Well, I think, you know, I, I always have a strong connection to the work that we're doing. I know that the work that we do helps people, helps entrepreneurs and executives be better leaders, be more effective, be be more impactful with their time. So, like to me inherently what we're doing is is energizing. Beyond that, you know, I've been doing this for almost 10 years, so <laughs> it's kind of just part of the way that I operate at this point that um, the work that we do ties into so much of my own identity 
um, and just sort of knowing that what I'm creating is so much bigger than myself and that the work that the work and the business that we've set up is allowing other people to have flexibility in their lives so that they can still provide for their families but you know have a professionally rewarding career so I think it comes from every direction and we're just energized about what we're doing and, and so that from the entrepreneurial perspective is that something you've always had or does that more or less come from what you're describing that sort of passion around the specific thing that you're doing yeah I would I was an English major I had no business training <laughs> so <laughs> I I can't say like oh I'm this lifelong entrepreneur I'm not I've evolved into one and I can't imagine doing anything else at this point and like I said I think there's just so much we're just what we do helps so many people, whether it's on the client side or the team side, that that is motivating. Well, hopefully that'll be inspirational for others because I think there's that misnomer that people believe you have to be born to want to be an entrepreneur. I mean, there are certain personality types, there are certain people that you know from very early on were very entrepreneurial. I would fall, I would certainly fall into sure. that category. But I know a lot of great people that just decide they found a need or decided they didn't want to work for anybody else. And went out and did it, and I think most people are pretty afraid to take that leap. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll be inspirational for somebody, uh, kind of based on on what you're saying. Thank you. Yeah, I think it just comes down to, you know, having a relevant, useful product or service, getting lots of support around building a company. I've done a lot of masterminding and a lot of, you know, educating myself on leadership and just business um, combined with just personal energy around excitement of what we're doing. Well, and speaking of, uh, you know, educating yourself, I imagine that you like to keep up on what's happening and what are some of the latest trends. And so I'm wondering if there's a book that you're reading right now that you might share with us. Sure. So a lot of our clients are implementing EOS in their business. It's Entrepreneur's Operating System. And there's a book out called Traction by Gino Wickman that walks you through what EOS is, how to set it up in your business. So we've been focused pretty heavily on running our meetings using the EOS philosophy. So we're constantly going through that book <laughs> to make sure that we're on track with that. Um, and then there's another one called The Rockefeller Habits that's kind of an older one, but super useful. We've implemented a lot of that stuff, too. Well, it sounds like great books for anyone to check out if they're interested. And don't forget, we do list a summary of this in, of this interview on our blog on uh, peopleg2.com. And so if you didn't have a chance to write down the books or anything else that uh, Emily may have said, we'll have a full summary there for you. You know, you mentioned a lot of great things today. Um, and before I kind of give you a chance to, to plug the company, is there anything in particular you think was maybe someone should really hone in on or remember or maybe try to implement going forward, but, you know, kind of based on what we talked about? Yeah, I think the big takeaway is that there are other ways to think about staffing support roles within your company and that, you know, we have a whole list of different tasks that people have delegated. There's so much that you can hand off that you've probably not thought of, and it's amazing what you can accomplish just by clearing an hour a day of stuff off your plate. So just to, just to think differently about staffing. Absolutely. Well, how, how can people get a hold of you and learn more about uh, uh, Delegate Solutions? Sure. So we're on the web, www.delegatesolutions.com. 
we have a Facebook page where you can, you know, so we keep that very current. You can see what's happening at the company there, too. Well, Emily, it's a real pleasure having you on the show and really appreciate you taking the time to share with everyone about what you're doing and, and, and your business. And hopefully we can uh, have you come back at some point and give us an update. Awesome. Thank you for the opportunity. All right. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break with our second guest, uh, Matt Manners. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. Uh, my next guest will be uh, Matt Manners, the founder of the Employee Engagement Awards. Don't forget, you can tweet us a question right now. Uh, add that uh, hashtag uh, Talent Talk, all one word. Uh, if you do that, don't forget, you can also go to TalentTalkRadio.com to find past episodes. If you don't want to go to iTunes on the podcast app or iHeartRadio, there's so many great ways to find past shows. We hope you take a listen to, to other shows that we've done as well. But let's go ahead and get to Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. So why don't you tell everyone a little about yourself. Of course, I know who you are, but uh, those people listening don't. So uh, who are you? And uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Employee Engagement Awards as well. Well, I'm the founder of the Employee Engagement Awards. Uh, I obviously probably tell by the accents uh, uh, in England and based in London. Um, and uh, I've been running the Employee Engagement Awards for about two years now. Uh, before that, I was uh, I, I ran a, a, a small uh, employee engagement consultancy, and, and previous to that was uh, customer facing and helped with, uh, with businesses improve their customer loyalty. And it was at, at that stage that I, I really started to pay attention to, to looking internally and how how if companies looked after their people, then it would pay off, uh, paid huge dividends really. Right, absolutely. And, and so maybe you could talk to you a little bit about the awards that you're that you're doing. Um, yeah, I know you do a few different ones, but there's one coming up in, in Chicago uh, specifically. But yeah, maybe kind of talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so so the awards were really born, born out of recognizing that there was no real recognition going on for for this new and very important uh, discipline within companies. Really, that there were awards that recognized great HR work or internal comms work, but the people that were 
who were battling to try and improve engagement internally within their own businesses weren't really being recognised and, and the great work being tried and, and, and tested wasn't, wasn't being um, celebrated. So uh, I devised the Employee Engagement Awards and, and first year was in the UK and then before we'd even really, really launched in, in the UK, uh, a company called WeSpire in, in Boston contacted, contacted me because obviously the world of the internet, whenever you announce anything now, the whole world knows about it, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> said, we think that America would really, would really like this, and um, have you got any plans to come, come to America? And then before you know it, we'd, I'd, I'd got on a plane and visited New York, and we'd had our first conference at awards in America around a year ago and, and you, you were great and came and had, uh, pres presented at that and that, that, was, that was fantastic and we had Ford named as our employee engagement company of the year and we're now in our second year, uh, moved to Chicago this year, working our way around America and um, we've just closed the deadline for our, for our awards last week and um, what we do is we put on a, on a conference now to help share best practice and for those who want to improve employee engagement with, within their companies, and then, then we invite everybody who's a guest and also entered the awards to share, share the celebration of that and have a, a really good party at the end of the day, cocktail hour, and then present the awards to the winners and, and have a good time. So, so this year it's summertime in Chicago on a rooftop overlooking downtown, downtown Chicago. So really looking forward to it. Well, you and your team did a fantastic job last year, and it being your, your first event here in the States, a really great job. So I'm sure Chicago will be even better. Uh, we always do things better the second or third time, so uh, I'm sure it'll even be more kind of fantastic. But, you know, with all the different things that you're doing, you've got these engagement-type events in the U.K., Australia, the United States. Do, do you see the level of employee engagement as far as the the viewing of it being important and sort of top of mind for businesses, do you see that being equal amongst the different areas where you're at or are different places maybe a little bit behind others as far as recognizing the importance of it? That's a good, really good question. Um, I, think, I think there's an overall, there's a, there's a I, I suppose, I think it's still early adopter stage. I think people recognize that they need to do more uh, than just doing the annual survey that doesn't mean that they're engaging with their staff and I think you know people are now starting to see the proof that's being presented that if you actually look after your staff um, give them a purpose make, uh, make them all all happy then that, that, that then is realized on the customer side and people remain loyal stay don't do ch don't churn out of the business uh, and, and, and sales go up profits go up and, ev and everybody's really happy I think that's a business critical all over the world and um, so I, w I would say that it's pretty equal um, across between, between the UK and, and, and North America. Um, I probably don't want to upset either side of the Atlantic with that, that sense and we, we've yet to launch down in Australia so I couldn't comment there but I think it's, it's pretty level around the world I think but the difference is, is that what I'm seeing is there are many stages on the journey of engagement and it does begin with right we need to do something and there are a lot of companies that are still having trouble even getting to that acknowledgement phase and then starting to listen to staff and, and then there are others that uh, realize that it is re very important and investing a lot of time and money into it and, and are doing some really wonderful things so 
that's that's really the inspiration around behind the awards really to to try and help those people who want to start engagement be, begin it and and acknowledge the great work that's being done already well and, and you have an incredible passion about it and I, and I really appreciate that it's, it's something that I love talking about and learning more about all the time so anyone who's willing to get on the phone at 9.30 at night their time is, is definitely has passion around the topic so uh, <laughs> what, what, why is it you think that you kind of landed into that or had found that passion or have you ever thought about where that kind of comes from for you? I honestly, I honestly believe you know, I'm, I like to try and keep things simple, simple in my life and I honestly believe that I, 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 whilst I've started up a couple of businesses now I, I, I've, be, I've began like everybody else and started as an employee of a company and I've, I've seen the good and the bad I've seen I, you know we mentioned intangibles there, there have been companies where I just loved working there and and worked really really hard and but couldn't put my finger on it and uh, would do anything I would go above and beyond my pay grade to, 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 to deliver and then there are other companies that I just could not stand and you know, saw myself not doing the best I could do and that annoyed me so having having worked on the, the customer loyalty side and seen see how much money is invested and time and money just to go get new customers or keep customers loyal and then what, didn't see that being represented internally I thought this would be a really really good place to to move into because it would be great to see to help just staff and employees are in businesses in the UK and now America and, and, and further afield to have a better better time at work. And we, we spend most of our most of our lives commuting and working in an office. So it, why not try and improve that experience and, and help those people that are trying to do it within companies do do a better job and, and have a have a louder voice in the boardroom. So I suppose that's where it comes from. And then and then when I see we are helping in some ways, that then that only drives the passion even more, I guess. Yeah, and, and you know, like a lot of people that maybe haven't spent any time looking at the research or kind of living and breathing, you know, the, the world of employee engagement might sort of be lured into that thought that it's just about giving people stupid crap or buying them lunch or, you know, doing these sort of very minor things that might give somebody temporary happiness. But Really, what it is is about the overall success of the company. It's how, how do you get people to be, how, as you really, as you said, and to get them to go above and beyond, to do their best work because they are um, actively a part of the company and feel um, that that dedication, that intrinsic type of type of motivation. Am I am I sharing kind of the, the right you know kind of focus on, on that issue that that's really where we should be looking at? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I, you know, the, the main thing for me is I get, I've get, I get asked quite often, well, what, what should we do? Um, and it, it, it all depends where, where your company is at, and um, do the board see it as important? And you know, how much, you know, how much money and time do you have? And you know, who, who do you have working for you? Because I, again, I said there are different pockets across an organisation, whether it be internal comms, marketing, HR, the, the boardroom, and you need all of them <laughs> driving and working together. To Starting a reward and recognition program might be a really good first step. It, it might seem not enough at times, but it might be a really good place to start because maybe the surprise and the, re the recognition of employees isn't something that historically they've done very well. So I think any, any, anything is a good, a good place to start. 
uh, but it has to be much, much more than that. Um, we had a, a, one of our speakers last year was Aaron Hurst, and he, and he talks all about having, giving employees purpose, uh, I suppose, which refers back to what I was saying about when I work for a company, it, having that purpose. You get, up, you get up in the morning and you want to feel like you're make, making a difference in the job you're doing. Um, and w back in my consultancy days, the number one thing for, of um, what item employees always told their companies that they wanted to improve the most wasn't pay or, or, or benefits. It was that they were listened to and communicated more to. So that, that then really... Drives, drives into that p purpose element of things. Of we, we're working here eight, ten hours a day. Please tell us what's going on before it happens and please listen to what we have to say because we're invested in this business and we would actually like to see it improve as well and we have some good ideas, so c give us a platform. So that whole p piece of listening and communication rather than telling and, and ignoring, I think, is, is one of the key areas to, to get right first. Well, you may not have the, the answer for this, but I'm just curious. Uh, do, do you think there's a reason why companies don't listen? I mean, it, 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 to me, it just seems obvious that you talk talk to your employees, you, you get their buy-in, you they may have a better idea than the one you came up with, and ultimately, even if you end up doing what you planned on, there was at least that exchange of ideas and, and opportunity for them to, to be heard. Do you have any sense as to why companies just will often choose to, to kind of take that approach and, and just shove information and policies and things down people's throats and never bother to ask them anything? I suppose, I, I, like I said, I definitely don't have all the answers or any answers necessarily, but um, not being controversial, but usually when you ask somebody a question and you, and you listen to them, it usually will end up making more work for, you, for yourself, whether it be uh, whatever, whatever part of the company you are. So asking employees their advice and how they can improve would you're probably not already doing what they want or what, what, what you should be doing so therefore the answer you receive will no doubt generate more work um, the good thing is if you do listen then you can actually dedicate time and resource into the right areas that will pay off more for the company and, and employees advocacy um, but that's probably the reason people will go oh, it's not, I don't want it to be my problem uh, don't have the time um, and, and again that's why I think it's really important that we, we do get people entering awards and going to conferences and, and meeting up and networking and, and talking across sectors just to try and drive each other forward to, to make, make this a, a bigger movement and, and improve the employee experience, really. Do you think that there are situations where companies might be too far gone? You know, that maybe you, you can't make changes, you just can't ever get them to come back from, you know, maybe the dark side? You, you, I think if they're too far gone, they won't be. They won't be long in of this world anyway. I think they'll soon go out of business. So right. I don't think there's any company that's too far gone, or if they think they are, then they should really very, very quickly try and work out how they can draw a line in that sand and make some significant and dramatic changes. So uh, because I just don't think they'll they'll stay they'll stay around that long because employees are getting much savvier now and, and they will move and but you won't have the talent and that will just ruin the experience for customers, sales and, and, and the like. One thing that I find interesting is the, I don't know if it's assumed, but there's certainly a difference in the discussion as we talk about generations in this discussion of employee engagement. So it doesn't typically tend to be a lot of focus on the baby boomers and the Gen Xers. Um, it's assumed that their motivations are different and really this kind of focus on employee engagement and culture and everything else is 
often wrapped up in the millennials and, and, and beyond is kind of really about what's going to be happening, what's going to be needed in the coming years for that workforce to ultimately do its best. Do you agree with that, or do you think that really, you know, it doesn't really matter what, maybe millennials will want it more, but, you know, it really doesn't matter from a generation standpoint. Everyone will benefit from from these sort of, you know, kind of positive uh, changes in this area. I think if, if you want a better answer than I'm about to give, we've got a we've got a great speaker called Jill Christensen who's just done a lot of research and written a book around millennials, uh, who's going to be in Chicago uh, at our conference. Um, but from my point of view, uh, just speaking with with the CEOs and the like. Uh, and, and mainly more, more from the UK because I can speak better from that point of view. Uh, millennials came to an education system where they were constantly fed back to more regularly. The, the exam structure changed. So there was constant uh, pats on backs and, and, and improvements and, and feedback about how they were going, whereas baby boomers and uh, exes uh, like myself, um, it was very much just work to the end of the year um, and, and then you got your, did your exams and that, that was it, annual reviews and we, there wasn't so, so much the, the, the need for constant feedback uh, and, and making sure you're going where you're going. So there has been a, a generational shift in how people um, uh, work and develop. So I think, I think you do need to look into that um, and you, one size doesn't fit all. Um, so, so yeah, I think it, it, the work being done in the area is, 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 is interesting and just, it, I suppose, causes some, some more, more challenges for, for companies, I guess. And you kind of really highlighted one particular area that resonated with me a lot, and that just in, in grades for kids. Um, so my kids now can log on, and I can, and I can see what their grades are at the very second. I mean, a teacher wow. puts in a puts in a test, a score, or a homework score, I we all can know it. I can get alerts as to if there's been a change up or down with their grade. I mean, it's constant. And I think back to when I was in school, I had no idea what my grade was going to be until the report card showed up. It was like this huge, you know, almost uh, anxiety over, are we going out to dinner and celebrating, or am I going to be grounded <laughs> for a month? Um, no, is, is my life, is, as I know it, over because I haven't got the good enough grades to, to get where I want to go and all that kind of stuff, you know? The, yeah. the pressure is huge. So there has been, so we are, we are changing the way we grow up, so that is going to impact the workplace, and I don't think we could ignore that. I, personally, I remember going and having my annual performance review at one of the companies I loved working at, and it was all very positive, and I actually walked out, sat back down at my at my desk and one of my colleagues said so have you been promoted and are you getting a pay rise and it dawned on me that I hadn't even asked that question because <laughs> I, right. I just didn't care because uh, I enjoyed what I was doing and where I was working but um, I just don't I, I, you probably don't get that much of that these days right <laughs> yeah for someone to be so happy they're just happy to happy to be talking about how happy they are I mean that's I, yeah. I, I did go back and ask the question though I, once, I'd <laughs> once I'd realized the error of my ways but yeah <laughs> Of course, good, good. <laughs> Once the, uh, the, the the dreamy uh, uh, happiness kind of wore off for a second, you go back and got your senses about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. One of our uh, favorite questions to ask our guests is, uh, is there a book that you're reading right now, and can you tell us about it? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading two. It's, it's one thing I'm trying to improve upon, a bit, bit of daily reading. Um, reading an, uh, an autobiography of uh, an Irish rugby player, um, one of the best players that 
ever to play the game called Brian O'Driscoll. Um, and so I, I find I find reading those kind of um, stories about how people achieve greatness is quite inspiring. So I'm reading him, and um, uh, the other one I'm just about to get into is a book by our, our, the Mayor of London on, on Winston Churchill. So um, a bit a bit out there, uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to reading both those because uh, I, I studied history at, at college, so uh, it's something close to my heart. Yeah, and there's so many great books from a history perspective that can really be applied into business topics and all, all these kind of things that we're talking about now. There's so many kind of great examples in history. I do a book club, and it tends to be more of the, you know, HRE business leader type books that you might think of, but occasionally one of a history book or autobiography or something like that will come in because it really is very topical or very poignant to what we're, we're trying to focus on as a group. So both those books sound like they'd be really interesting to check out. Do you, do you have any uh, recommendations of, of books at the moment? Uh, maybe I should check out more, more of an HR and engagement feel? Well, if, so if you're a history buff, the, uh, my favorite book to, to suggest is The Boys in the Boat. Uh, it's about the uh, crew team in the state of Washington just before World War II, so sort of the Depression and the Dust Bowl and absolutely amazing story um, that uh, I think has so many great lessons in it for, for, for leaders in itself, and, and it, it being a true story is kind of very inspirational. So it sort of ends in the, in the Berlin Olympics. Um, just before the the war starts, yeah. And then uh, anything by Adam Grant. So right now, Originals is really popular. That's just come out. And then his previous book is uh, Given uh, a Give and Take. And I think those are two of the probably the better books to kind of get you started down that road. If you're into that stuff and what he brings up, then there's I have another hundred recommendations for you. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you. I'll get them from you in Chicago. All right. <laughs> Well, uh, you mentioned a lot of great things today. If you could, you know, pick one thing or summarize maybe the points into, in, into it for the listeners, maybe what should someone have heard or, or taken away from what we talked about today? Uh, oh, good, good question. Um, I think, like, I think mainly it's you can always you can always do something, and, and if you if you haven't started or you think your engagement program isn't as good as it could be, then just do, just keep just keep going. Um, uh, and you'll get there. So it's, it's just good to do do something and 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 see how that how that works or doesn't work, and, and keep going from there. Really, because it can seem like a quite an overwhelming overwhelming goal to try and improve the engagement of staff within a company, big or small. So I, I would just get going and see and see what see what happens. Well, uh, then I think that's a, a great thing for people to take away. That it's never too late to start doing something. Yeah. You know, how can people find out more about the Employee Engagement Awards if they're interested in, in showing up in uh, Chicago? Well, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this, but uh, I'd like to give your your, your listeners uh, some some. Uh, I've got some free tickets, so I don't know whether we can organise that if they contact you and uh, oh. to, to the conference in Chicago. So I you know give away ten tickets to your listeners if they wanted to contact you. Or but I hope that you haven't created an issue there. Um, no, no, that's fine. They can contact me, and uh, I'll certainly do that. It's not a problem. Um, and then um, the the best is the ee-awards.com uh, and go there and it's got all the information about um, London and uh, America 
uh, and we've just launched a new uh, blog called The Engagement Zone, where we're going to start to st publish all the winning entries and case studies of, of past winners in the UK and America, so, so we can start sharing best practice more and more as well. So uh, any contributions or ideas that people have of, of the things they would like to see from us, then I, definitely all ears, so e-awards.com. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today and coming back again, and I'm looking forward to uh, being a part of the, the awards as well again, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Chicago. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Chris. Take care. All right. Next week, our guests will include Len Carter, the Vice President of HR for Freepoint Health Network. Um, between now and then, uh, don't forget to check out previous shows on iTunes and iHeartRadio, but until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.